Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. Uh, my name is Dana, and I am pleased to welcome back my friend, writer, director, Phil Juano. How are you, sir? Very good, Dana. And yourself? I am doing well. I'm doing it uh, as best to be expected, given the current climate that we're all experiencing. Um, I'm super thrilled to have you back on. It's it's only been about three months since the last time we mm-hmm. chatted. Uh, I know we have to stop meeting like this. <laughs> lots of things have happened in the in that three month period, and we're going to go over quite a bit of that. But first things first, uh, just give the listeners a little bit of update about uh, how you're doing, and if there's anything new in your world right now. Oh, you know, just pretty much still hunkered down with the kids, and uh, you know, we're taking this this whole thing really, I'm very seriously, as as I hope everyone is, and and uh, we pretty much just. Stay at our house and and uh, get through it a day at a time. I I am bidding one commercial job right now that might shoot at the end of August. So commercials have opened up a little bit. I'd say 10, 20% open. So there's some shooting going on here and there. Commercials are a lot easier to control in the current COVID-19 scenario because they're very brief shoots. For instance, this this one is a one-day shoot. You come in, you know, the pace is very different than than shooting on a, a, a streaming show, television show, or even most features. So, uh, for instance, this involves one actor, a spokesperson on a soundstage. So it's the kind of shoot you can come in, pre-light, be ready to go, shoot out that one person fairly fairly safely. Uh, I have some friends who have been on a few commercial sets. Some have been uh, safer than others. They felt there is a lot of upset in the commercial video world right now because the the controls that they've put in place for features and television are, are, are actually very strict and correct, uh, I think, and we all think. But those same rules, for whatever reasons, do not apply to commercials and videos. They're, they're governed by a different body called the AICP, uh, commercials and videos, and people uh, are, are, are just feeling that the protections that are in place on some jobs have not been strong enough. Um, and and there, there's some upset people out there, but you know, it, it's it's just it's harder to control and police these really brief, quick shoots. And so we'll see. We'll see where it all goes. I think that's interesting that there's not a sort of unilateral governing body overseeing every aspect of that. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, you know, I didn't really realize it either. I mean, I always knew the ICP was this, I don't know, this organization that oversaw uh, commercials and videos, but I always thought that kind of the DGA and the IA, you know, the Teamsters, the various SAG after, I always thought they would be the ones that would really own and control the safety measures given given the COVID-19 situation, but they kind of acquiesce to this very vague you know there's no requi- no testing's required oh yeah you can just do a shoot and everyone shows up uh there's very kind of strict protocols on what's weird about it dana is that these protocols have not been signed upon signed or agreed upon or voted on they're these very vague 
kind of um, – there's very vague jurisdiction. So they, the DGA, SAG, AFTRA, and the IA put out this 38-page document that's supposed to cover shooting. Then – and in that case, it was testing before you shoot, testing during the shoot, testing after the shoot, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but, but that was for it ended up long-form shootings you know, where you're shooting a television series or you're shooting a feature. But then the the AICP realized, oh, well, wait a second. What are you going to do on a one-day shoot? You can't turn around the testing fast enough. Mm-hmm. So, so they just said, well, testing's optional. And y- each production can decide how they're going to manage the testing process. And there still are these kind of what they can now call COVID officers that are on the set that are supposed to help dictate the safety measures. But you know what that is? You can go to a one-day class and you're a COVID officer. Yeah. So anyone can go take the class, show up and be like, I'm the expert. You have to do this. You can't do that. You have to do this. You can't do that. But they have no real authority. It's all up to the production to decide how much authority they vest in the in this COVID officer. And, you know, there's all these liability issues and, you know, you no one wants to get blamed if it goes wrong. Um, and I have a friend that, that was on a shoot where they're, uh, they're admit, they did test. And then as they were on the three day shoot day two, some people came in positive. And of course everyone freaked out and they sent those people home and who was in contact with those people and who should, so it was a real mess. Yeah. They finished the shoot. Some people felt they shouldn't have, I know about another shoot, uh, I think it was a longer shoot, a five-day shoot, and in that case, they got back some tests on day one, because again, you know, all this delay in testing, you maybe have seen, you know, Bill Gates going on and on recently about what a de- debacle it is because there's such a long wait. You know, if you get a test on a Monday, and you don't get results for a week, well, you could be doing anything during that week and spreading the virus, um, even without any symptoms. So. This shoot, this five-day shoot, they shut it down. They shut it down that morning. Everyone just walked away. That was for a, a large conglomerate who I think probably didn't want pos- it to get out that positive tests were on their shoot. The, the three-day, sh- but the three-day shoot was a big company too that they just kept going. You know, meanwhile, people are testing positive, but the story goes the director was huddled in his car the entire time with a with a monitor in his car. He never got out of his car. It was on a back lot. And he came, I won't name names, but the director, and he's a very famous commercial director, sh- showed up at the shoot, sat in his car, never left his car. You had to communicate with him by cell phone or walkie-talkie. I don't know how he directed the spot, but they somehow did it uh, with him in his car. Everyone else, of course, was at risk on the set, which I thought really showed uh, great leadership on the part of that director. You know, I'll be in my car while the rest of you intermix with the uh, positive testing, your fellow positive testing crewmates. It, it's a mess. It's a mess. I mean, if I do a shoot, I have a, I have very, I'm going to be very strict about it. Be at the front of it. Uh, if I do this shoot, I'm, I, I'm, I have mixed feelings about doing it or not doing it. Uh, obviously a lot of my friends that I work with would like to get back to work for obvious reasons. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to get anyone sick. So, uh, I think that, that you know, the commercial world is eking back into the game. From what I understand, you know, features are absolutely dead in the water unless you know you're shooting in New Zealand, like Jim Cameron is, or 
there's some production trying to get underway, I know, in England, but but I think that's going to be a mixed bag. I don't know exactly what their protocols are there. Uh, Australia, I think, you know, is going to be an option too. Although, you know, there's really strict quarantine protocols there as well. So, but in America, production in America, it's de- it's dead in the water except for a few, you know, kind of game. I think there's certain little things that are happening, but but not much. Were you surprised or are you surprised to see commercials back up and and essentially them trying to get them back up and running uh, since the last time we chatted? And is this out of a out of necessity for the companies or is it you know a combination of that and people have to get back to work? Both. The companies are always desperate to sell. Yeah, it's about making money, period. So they're going to throw out opportunities to shoot if if the state says you can shoot. So, you know, right now, uh, for instance, you can shoot New Jersey, you can shoot in California, you can shoot in Los Angeles. New York is trickier. I think there's uh, they have really strict testing rules. You have to get the test back. You have to if anyone comes in from another state, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So New York City proper. I don't believe there's any commercial shooting going on there or, or there's very little commercial shooting going on in New York City proper. Um, I know New Jersey is shooting. Yes, I am very surprised to answer the first part of the question. Uh, and people are just putting themselves at risk. I, you know, I, a very, very close friend of mine is a makeup artist. She's a good family friend. And she has to touch the actors and be right up in there. She's, in my opinion, probably the most at risk player on the set because Except for an actor. Sorry, except for an actor. The actor has no PPE. I mean, they have it. They take it off. They put it back on. They take it off. They put it back on. But that puts them, excuse me, the actors are the most at risk for sure. She's the most at risk crew member because she's going in and she has to touch him. She, she, like she said, this guy was in, it was a hundred degree day. He was sweating. She's wiping off his sweat, putting back on his makeup. You know, she's got the, the shield. She's got the mask. She's got the glove. She's all decked out. But She's still in there, and that poor actor, by the way, is is mixing it up with everybody. So I don't know. Do I think it's safe? I don't think it's I don't think it's particularly safe. The one job I'm I'm talking about doing again is a spokesperson on a stage uh, against you know projected backgrounds sets. We can maintain our distance. She never interacts with anybody else, and because I'm gonna get in there and be really, really strict about, I won't be in my car. Let's put it that way. I will be there up front, out front, making sure. I mean, I'm going to be stricter than any COVID officer that took a one day class. I can promise you that these friends, these people are my friends for, you know, decades, some of them 20 years. You know, my AD and I have been together for over 25 years. So I would not put any of those people at risk any more than them going to the grocery store. You know, which is also, as anyone knows, slightly harrowing these days. Um, (laughs) It's just weird. But yeah, I am surprised. I am surprised. And then as far as people going back to work, like my makeup friend, I mean, she needs to work. She needs to work. And a lot of people's health care is connected to their union and their their dues. And you've got to you got to work to maintain your health care and you got to work to maintain a living. So. Like anybody out there, like, yeah, it, it, it's it's a desire to get back to work, 
Um, and it's, you know, on the part of the clients and agencies is a desire to sell. That's just about selling. They're, they're going to take whoever's willing to step up. Now, before we get into sort of a discussion about movies and movie theaters, and there's the, I think would be the, the, <laughs> bulk, the bulk of our discussion, we cannot have a conversation without mentioning that live sports has come back into the, our living rooms, if you will. Uh, if you're interested, you can watch basketball, hockey, golf, you know, baseball again. I think the one that you and I were most concerned about, the one that said it's going to be the, the most difficult to, to pull off, was going to be football. And mm. as of today, there seems to be a glaring question on whether or not college football is even going to happen. And maybe by the time this episode comes out, that decision will have been made. But I can tell you from what I was watching today, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. NFL is a no, different I mean, story. So what do you think? Yeah. Well, the leak today was that they they voted – what is it? The, the big five, they call them, but the, the, you know, voted to not play. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, then the, the PAC 12 follows and the sec very reluctantly follows. Yeah. Eventually they're going to be, people are going to scream and yell, but I, I think I've been reading, trying to read about what's gone on in college football. I mean, other than just the obvious from the outside, but from the inside, I think liability is a big concern at these schools that, you know, these kids aren't professionals, right? And and they're linked to these scholarships and they're being told to show up. And if something were to go wrong, uh, that perhaps the schools could, could be liable. So I think there's some legal concerns there. And then I think that also what's happened is some of these schools have brought kids back to start, you know, kind of vague training camp get together they're being very very vague and secretive about it but i think there's probably been some positive testing that we don't know about that these guys are saying look we've got these kids yeah we've got kids yeah we've got kids i mean we know a few things leaked out about certain programs that have had to shut down or or pull back and i just think the writing's on the wall that they can't pull it off uh, and if they do the liability is very different than if you're a professional and you've signed on, you, you know, uh, as your job to go to go play a sport. So, yeah, I think college sports, it sounds like as of today, and I think by the end of the week, college football will be over. I mean, I would suspect by Friday, college football will not be happening. It's what it looks like, at least yeah. right now. As for, as for the pros, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. So, yes, the NBA figured it out, right? As of now, the NBA completely, I did not think it would work, this bubble, this thing, people going in and out. I didn't think the guys would respect it, but, you know, so far so good. And my hat is off to Silver and those guys. Like, they have, they've done it. They've done it um, so far. And and I think that it looks like they're going to make it. I, I think it looks like they're going to finish out their little, their, their shortened season. But the bubble in basketball is a lot easier to do. It's the size of the teams, obviously. So then, then you've got baseball who is yeah. struggling, but they just seem to be like, well, you, you didn't, you didn't, you can't play tough luck. We're still playing. We're going to keep going. We're just going to keep going. If teams drop out, if teams can't play, we're going to keep going. We're just going to keep going until this ship sinks. And maybe it won't. Maybe, maybe maybe they'll end up with enough teams and few enough cases that they can pull off 
all the way to the World Series. I mean, maybe. it's. It looks to me like Major League Baseball has just said, we don't care if you test positive. I mean, we care if you test positive, but meaning we're not going to stop our season for positive tests. Go home, quarantine, come back, retest, don't come back, whatever you're going to do, we're playing. If your whole team blows it, you're out. And we're just going to keep going. And maybe we'll reschedule. Maybe you get to play the game. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Tough luck, Cardinals. You guys, you know, tough luck, Florida. You're you're right. So I think now if it happened to the Dodgers, that'd be really different, right? Because it'd be like, whoa, you know, one of the top contenders. Or if it happened to the Yankees or I don't know. You know, I wonder wonder what they do if if they suddenly had to postpone 10 Dodger games. That would be pretty significant. But so far, so good. That hasn't happened. And and so now that leads us to the NFL. And I have this weird I, – I, I've said it a hundred times, if not more, that I don't see how the NFL can do it. I just don't see how they can travel. I don't see how you can have all those people in a locker room. I don't see you can have – you know, it's like a, a lineman who opted out said, look, I'm basically bear-hugging a guy, you know, for three straight hours. Like I'm just – not to mention practice. Like I'm just in a giant bear hug face to face, rolling around and, you know, all our spit and goo. And and so I I don't say they just don't have tons of cases eventually. But what if the owners and Goodell have just gotten together and said, we don't care. Next man up. Bring up the next quarterback. Bring up the next running back. Bring up the next lineman. Bring them from the practice squad. Bring them off the street. Bring in a free agent, whatever you got to do, keep playing because we want that TV money. And that is what it's all about. The TV money. They don't care if the product is a bunch of fourth stringers. I mean, they, again, they care. They'd rather have the first stringers out there. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm saying that facetiously, but I mean, they will keep going even if it's fourth stringers. That's what they're saying right now. Goodell's saying, we're playing the season. And and at first I was like, oh, that's just, you know, them just saying it and saying it and saying it because they, Pollyanna, they just want to believe and wish and hope, unicorns and rainbows. But now, now I'm starting to think, like when Matthew Stafford, right, tested positive, I know he tested negative later, but everyone's like, oh, Matthew Stafford tested positive. But was it, was it, not Trubisky, who was it, um, the Jaguars quarterback? Uh, also uh, tested yeah, positive. Yeah, 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 So he, you know, they're like, yeah, I just bought. And the teams didn't, right? The, the Detroit Lions were like, oh my God, our quarterback tested positive. This can't, no way, we cannot play. This was just a standard announcement. Stafford was sent home. Yeah. What? <laughs> so it's going to be Tom Brady was sent home. Uh, 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 oh, okay. Aaron Rodgers was sent home. Uh, oh, who's playing quarterback? Somebody, somebody, I mean, Julian Edelman ended up playing quarterback for the, for the Patriots before this is over. (laughs) And, and, uh, which I think would be fun to see, by the way. I'd be all over Um, that. Yeah. I mean, I love football so much. I'd watch the fourth stringers. I admit it. I admit it. I'll watch the fourth stringers, which again, makes me part of the problem (laughs) because I'm the guy they're going, see, see. Guys like Phil will watch the, the fourth stringers and <laughs> the advertisers still have to pay and it's still on air. And we and there's going to think about it, Dana. There's going to be nothing else. So if you 
say to yourself, you know, it's just kind of like cannon fodder. Just send send the next round, send the next round, send the next round, send the next round, week after week after week, and hope. And I think this is probably a it's cynical, but a fairly decent hope. Most of these guys will be probably very mild symptoms, or maybe or maybe even asymptomatic. And after X amount of days and a test, they'll come back. Yeah. So, okay, so you lose your quarterback. You lose Matthew Stafford for two weeks. He'll be back by week four. Moving on. Just like I think they're looking at it like an injury. Just think of it as an injury. Right. Aaron Rodgers is out for five weeks because he hurt his shoulder, right? And then he made it back for the last few games. And they shut him down that season, remember, for the very last game. So there was no point. They were going to make the playoffs. But I think they'll just say, keep playing, just like an injury. Keep playing. That's on on your team. You guys weren't careful enough. You didn't follow the rules well enough. That's on you. Your guy went out to a party. Too bad. And um, the reason that makes sense is because people are gonna watch anyway. And on top of it, as I was just alluding to, what other product is there going to be? I I cannot find anyone writing about this really. Not even here in LA. But I, I'm trying to find what shows are in production for the so-called September fall season. What? I, I can't. None. I mean, what are what's shooting? Nothing. They have no new. There's product that's been on the shelf they can run. But I'm talking about newly filmed product, new new pilots, and they have all these. They're, they've announced their season. They've announced their yeah. schedule. I, like when did those shoot, shows shoot? In January, because if they weren't if they weren't done by mid February, it was it was over. Middle, I guess, I guess more March. But you had to be in the can. Nothing was in the can by March. Nothing. That's not this. That's not the way TV works. Even Netflix admitted that by next quarter they'll have run out of new stuff. They had they had like two quarters worth of stuff. But I think third quarter, maybe even fourth quarter, they'll be they won't have any more new stuff. They'll have run it all. And they'll have to. I imagine uh, someone like Netflix. This is just me thinking out loud. If they don't have any new original product, then they're going to have to double down on licensing fees to add a lot more existing films that aren't part of their license. But here's the thing about that. Who now doesn't have their own streaming service? Who's going to give them stuff? Exactly. So Universal, right? They have their own Peacock. They have their own thing now. Warner's has their own thing now through HBO Max. Disney has their own thing. Paramount licenses them quite a few things. Sony, I think, is also an up for grabs licensing thing. I don't think, you know, they're not associated with any well, streaming well, service. Well, they have Crackle, don't they? Crack Isn't Crackle there? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah, but I don't. I, I think they... they I think they get more money from, you're right, from a Netflix sure. license than they would from paying themselves through Crackle. That's not really profit for them. And I don't think anyone, pretty, I don't think Crackle has very many subscriptions. Um, <laughs> no. Hulu, you know, used to be everybody else, but that uh, three different things, but now it's, it's Disney. Disney owns Hulu. So uh, yes, they could license for a few. You're right. I mean, they could get, there's, there's Lionsgate, there's, there's Paramount and there's Sony I think everything else is taken uh, with their streaming services. But it's even funny, like Warner's started HBO Max. They don't they don't have the Harry Potters. So the Harry Potters are owned by they made a licensing deal for I don't know how many years, like seven years with uh, NBC for those movies. So they're going to all be on Peacock, the Harry Potter movies. I mean, they're on right now because 
they they gave him a window. They said, okay, for the first few months of HBO Max, you can have the Harry Potters. But in a very uh, 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 upcoming date, I want to say, I don't know, September, something like that, all the Harry Potters are going back over to Peacock because the, it's why the Star Wars are a problem because they had all the Star Wars shows licensed to, it's like AMC or somebody like that. And they can't get all the Star Wars movies back on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> it's kind of a mess. But I think that, that, yes, there will be a lack of network product for sure. And so football and basketball and baseball, all three up through October and then the NFL after that, are going to definitely take over the airwaves as we get to the playoffs in particular for those other sports. When when talking about streaming services, I am I'm the, the guy here who tries them all out. And I think I was even even texting with you a couple weeks ago about the Peacock streaming service and, and one of your you know found one of your movies on there. When I, was, I do what's called an <laughs> audit, I'm, I'm uh, this is uh, I don't know if other people do this, but I will literally go. I'll sign up for a service, seven day trial period, fourteen day, sure. one month, and I will go to movies A to Z. And I will methodically write down the names of every movie on there that I think is worth watching. And if it's X number of movies over a certain amount, certain threshold, I'll pay for that month. You know, like I just have this whole, I do audits of all these things. That being said, I'm a big fan of uh, HBO Max as far as the amount of content that's on there. However, what I'm not a fan of is the disappearing and reoccurring content. When I signed up for it, it had all the Batman movies. It had all this. A week later, they were gone. Now they're back. Again. yeah because of their licensing yeah. deals so they that's the same thing so so these companies made these very lucrative deals with networks and other streaming services etc to to run their movies and then went uh-oh wait a second we need our own service now they've started them but those deals are still in place yeah it's kind of like we always kind of joke around here in Orlando or just north of Orlando that in the 1990s Universal made a deal with uh with uh Marvel for the Marvel license. So here in here in Florida there's Universal Islands of Adventure and there's an entire Marvel theme park. And Universal the deal they worked out is they'll keep that license for as long as they want to. That was the deal cuz Disney didn't own Marvel at the time. Yeah. So when you go to Orlando, Disney World which has Marvel, one of their biggest properties ever there's no marvel at disney so it's it's but it's so it's, it's like i see what you mean and, and it will take it will honestly take disney paying universal billions to get that license back yeah and it's not worth it to them yeah you know it's 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 not worth it to them because they they can still i believe that disneyland can still do you know marvel properties but just universal can too i guess because yeah. I've seen Marvel characters at Disneyland. Well, this is Disney World, so maybe it only pertains to here in Florida. So I don't. Uh, I maybe don't. This was Disney World. Oh yeah. So, but I just think that's it's the the irony of of licensing. Um, speaking of also streaming services, um, this is where we're going to get into some discussion about theatrical releases, ones that have decided to push back their release dates, and ones that have decided to go premium video on demand. And I guess the biggest news as far as a, a property going. PVOD, as we'll call it, would be Disney's decision to put Mulan premium VOD starting in September for not only the subscription price, which is $7 a month, which is not bad, but a $30 PVOD price. So you have to be a subscriber to Disney Plus, then you've got to pay the $30. And I think if I'm recalling correctly, 
this was predicted or did you think this was something that was going to, they were just going to push it and hold on to it for as long as they had to? Well, I think that they were going to, my, I think when we spoke last, my, I'm not positive, but I think my prediction was they would just keep pushing and pushing and pushing until they felt it was safe to go with a worldwide theatrical, but that the company to watch in this regard was always going to be Disney. That, you know, Disney had Mulan and Disney had has Black Widow and they are the number one distributor. They're the number one studio in the world today in terms of theatrical. And so I, I always felt that whatever Disney chose to do would be kind of the would be the indicator for the rest of the industry. And. I'm not surprised at all that they eventually gave up on distributing Mulan here on streaming. Although I guess they're going to, I'm unsure what their plan is for theatrically in the rest of the world where theaters can or might be open, including China. So I'm I'm a little unclear and maybe they're unclear. I don't know what, what they're going to do in terms of, because I know Disney plus isn't all over the world. So uh, yet. So I think that that I'm sure it sounds to me like they're going to do a theatrical hybrid where they'll they'll do the streaming here. But no, I'm not surprised at all, because, look, the uh, let's let's just I mean, the tracking the covid track right now is obviously we, we just passed five million cases in this in this country, 162000 deaths. It it's not going away there. There is no cure. And winter is coming, to use a famous phrase, and it's going to be harder to contain it in the winter because of flu season. Once flu season starts, it's what happened in the 1918 pandemic. Flu season hit and the flu season combination, um, you know, the, the regular flu, in that case with the Spanish flu. And in this case, it's going to be the regular, you know, the, the flu that's already occurs, which is, which is all, you know. A real problem every year anyway, medically speaking, combined with um, COVID-2 uh, is is going to, the odds are, be worse. And you can read and you just Google it. It's not fun reading, but many, many, many well thought out, calm, cool, collected articles with everyone saying the odds are winter is going to be worse than anything we've experienced so far. And I tend to agree with that. It just makes common. It's just common sense. And also people will be indoors, all this outdoor dining. I mean, how are you going to dine outdoors in December in New York or Boston or Philadelphia or Chicago? I mean, come on. And people are going to be indoors and it's going to be people be bundled up and people's noses are going to be running and they're going to be sneezing and they're going to be masks on, masks off. And you know how it's, it's a hard enough in cold weather. I mean, I live in California, you live in Florida, but I live in New York for three years. I mean, you six layers you're taking on and off and your scarves and your hat and you're this. It's just going to be really tough, particularly for the colder regions of America in the winter. So I, just, I think they calculated that all out and went, look, there's a reason why they canceled the Rose Parade here in Pasadena that happens on January 1st every year. They've already canceled it. Because they know, they know they can't hold a parade with hundreds of thousands of people jammed in the streets and stands. I don't think there'll be a Rose Bowl game either. 
as we were just discussing. There's going to be no Rose Bowl game. There's going to be no college championship game. There's going to be no Rose Parade. And there will be no Thanksgiving Day Parade in in New York, my guess would be, unless they do it. Because you can't tell people you can't come outside your house. I mean, that's the problem. You can't control it like you can a stadium. You can say you can't come in. So think about movie theaters. How on earth is it going to be safe to go into the worst environment for COVID-19 is an indoor enclosed space with other people. And so it just, and particularly where it's dark, you can't really monitor what everyone's doing with their masks. And, you know, if you started hearing like someone with a coughing fit in a movie theater or a sneezing fit in a movie theater around you, you'd be like, uh, wait a second. Yeah. And, and, uh, I want it to be wrong. I want to be wrong. I want it not to be so, but I think Disney forward thinking enough. They're just like this and all the studios really, there's like, this is not going to work. Bob Chapek, the CEO, the new CEO of, of Disney, has said that this is a one-time only thing, that his other properties, mm, yeah. the uh, Black Widow and everything else that they've got slated for theatrical releases are going to hold true to a, a traditional theatrical release. Uh-huh. So. Uh, I have two questions for you. One, he, one. He also, if you yes. if you read if you read the whole quote, if you keep going on that quote, he says, "But of course, things change as time goes on, and it's a fluid situation, yeah. and we'll learn from Mulan and see what it teaches us about the future, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. In other words, TBD. The reason I ask, I bring that up, is I wonder what type of communication does Disney have with the movie theater chains themselves, because there was this huge you know, uproar when Universal kind of announced that they were just going to go to a a PVOD only model, well, a day and date, if you will, theatrical and PVOD the same day and and movie theater AMC, you know, famously said, well, we're not going to show your movies. Now that was a lot of, I think the world's biggest game of chicken between the two. And that's, I think they've worked that out, but conversations had to have happened between Disney and AMC and Regal and all these other, they had to have said, look, we're not putting this movie in the theater. Like that, that conversation had to have taken place. Would you of think? Of course it did. Oh yeah. I mean, and I'm sure the movie theater owners were begging them not, not to do it, not to take Mulan onto Disney plus. And they'll be begging them when they finally decide to do it with black widow, unless they decide to hold black widow until next year. Yeah, the theater owners have got to just be devastated by this. And they they know that it's going to be really difficult, as I think you and I just maybe discussed in our last podcast, that even if every movie theater opened, I believe I understood that there was going to have to be social distancing within those theaters, which means you can't sell out your theater. So think about it, if a big movie opens... And it's going to have a $100 million weekend. Now it's a $50 million weekend. And not to mention then, after the diehards have showed up your first weekend who are willing to risk it, how's your second, third, and fourth weekend going to be? If, if, by the way, you're still social distancing, so you have a half full theater, if that. I think social distancing is probably more than every other seat. But anyway, let's call it 50% for the heck of it. You, you <laughs> How are they going to do How are they going to make money? And the studios... They're all going to watch. Now, the one thing we don't know is how good Mulan is. And that's the interesting part that gets left out of this. It's it's just an assumption that Mulan's a billion-dollar hit. It was going to make a billion dollars. I mean, we don't know that. We don't know that to be the case. But let's just say it was going to make a billion dollars worldwide. The part that people tend to forget, and I think Disney probably ends up 60-40, Disney sees 600 million of that, not a billion. So... 
Whereas in streaming, they see all of it. They see every dime, except for what they've spent in marketing. So I think it's going to, everyone's going to be watching and who knows what they'll, they'll release the figures publicly. They may not, but internally, you know, the head of marketing at Warner's and Paramount and, and, uh, Universal will be talking to Disney and saying, how'd you do? How'd you do with Mulan? How did it? You, you just, just come on, because we all got to know we're in this together. It's our industry. And it'll leak to them at the very least and possibly publicly. Kind of like Trolls sort of did. It wasn't concrete, but they kind of let it be known they made money. Yeah. But Trolls is a much cheaper movie than, than Mulan. So can they make a profit uh, or at, even at, put it this way, break even while they wait this out. Because if they can break even, if, if they calculated that they won't make a profit theatrically, and again, we're talking about America right now because the rest of the world, it's I don't really know how the rest of the world is working in terms of movie theaters. I don't know. No one really knows. There hasn't been a giant worldwide release uh, since early in the year. I guess we'll find out with Tenet. But those will be the two. So what Tenet does with a limited theatrical in America and a supposedly worldwide release, and then we'll find out how Mulan does with a streaming Disney Plus release and a worldwide theatrical release in countries where it can. Uh, and then they'll crunch the numbers. It's just going to be about crunching the numbers. And what's hard to predict is how those numbers crunch out. Certainly hanging on to a movie, if say, say if you know Bill Gates says it won't be until the end of next year that this is sorted out safely to some degree. Uh, and even then that that may not happen. But he said end of next year is, is was his most current prediction. And I think he has a lot of the facts. I don't know if they can sit on movies for a year, year and a half. I, I mean, Universal said Fast and the Furious, the new Fast and Furious movie, what was going to be April or something like that of yeah. next year? Uh, what if April's still no good? What if April's still, you know, or it's it's okay, they've opened theaters, but the amount of people going is so low that it becomes, you know, you're basically releasing a bomb, even though it's not a bomb. It's just a bomb because people won't go. So I don't know. What's interesting is when you look at a movie like the Top Gun sequel, to me, that's a mm -hmm. one-off, meaning you could sit on that for three years and people will still- Easily. Go Wouldn't see matter. It. A film oh. like a, a Black Widow- or I'm sorry, mm. let me say that even Tenet is a one-off. You could sit on that totally. for a couple of years. Yeah, but What's, if he had shot Tenet next year with the exact same cast and it came out the year after that, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to see it. <laughs> you still go and see it, yeah. right? The, no, you're absolutely right. The problem in lies with with Marvel, with Black Widow, is their, their continuity is so mapped out for five, six years Everything has to fall in place at a specific time. So when one movie gets moved uh, for pushback, everything gets pushed back. And at some point, they're going to have to release it just for continuity stakes or just pump the brakes on it. One. Yeah, I think again, I think we maybe overestimate this issue of continuity, particularly with something that's been as massive as the whole Marvel thing. It's it's like Star Wars, right? Star Wars went away for a long, long time, and yes, it suffered in China because of that. And yes, it 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 it, it did. It didn't come out, you know. Maybe I mean it did. Look, it did great, but it, it maybe suffered a little bit from from being away for a while. But I mean, if if the Marvel 
if Marvel took a break for a year, it's not the end of the world. Plus, it isn't like they've made those other films and now they're sitting there waiting to land on the runway. They're going to be delayed too. They've already announced the pushback on the Star Wars movies. They've already announced the pushback on the Marvel movies because they can't shoot them. And they require so many days of shooting and so much prep, etc. The whole thing's delayed. All the landings of their of the Marvel jets that are in a pattern waiting to come down from the sky is pushed back anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and would it be the worst thing to you know get some pent up interest in in something people can't have for a while for that you know for that product maybe not you know maybe it'll reinvigorate it maybe it'll make people even realize how much they missed it and how much they loved it and how much they can't wait so i'm not so sure that waiting on a movie like by the way a spinoff like black widow as opposed to if it was the final avengers movie you know what i mean i think that is a little harder because it's directly linked to the previous movie which was a cliffhanger right yeah so that I think we could agree would have been tougher because people were anxious to see how that was all how it was going to play out with Thanos. But since Black Widow is a bit of a one-off, right, not connected to the overarching narrative of the Avengers, I, again, I think they could sit on it. I think the bigger thing, Dana, is money. Yeah. The bigger thing is money. Disney is really, you know, as they you saw from their most current quarter is suffering a lot of losses and lost income and they need some form of income. And it's great. Disney plus is the bright shining star in their universe right now with 60 million subscribers. They were hoping to do in four or five years. They've already got them. They, they put out Hamilton. We haven't talked about that, which was supposed to be a theatrical. They, then I, I, I they must've done well because look, Mulan, right? Yeah. Hamilton, which again, they didn't announce the numbers must've done well for them or they wouldn't have done Mulan, right? Because again, Mulan's a very kind of specific movie. And I think that they, as was Hamilton, and I think they're like, you know, it's, in other words, it's, it's not a part of a larger series. I mean, Mulan is a, a remake, but I think it's about income. And I just think sitting on things you've spent a ton of money and marketing, all the Mulan marketing was out there, just like Tenet. I'm still driving by Tenet posters all the time out here. It was on Mulan too. By sides of buses, it was ready to go. And can you imagine? They're like, oh my God, we spent all this money letting the public know. All those magazine covers, all those long articles, all that stuff with their stars, it's all coming out because they need content too. There's nothing for them to write about because there's no new movies. So they, they release it too soon. Everything's coming out too soon. Finally, they go, we got to get this stuff out there. The world knows. And a year from now, they might not care. I think it's about money. Yeah, it's about money. The because uh, I think the the world would be totally survive without mo all movies for eighteen months. Oh yeah, no, you're right. It's like people go, oh, I'm never going to movies again. There hasn't been a movie for eighteen months. I'm not going. I mean, in fact, the the the, the desire, the pent up desire to go to movies might explode into even bigger box office than ever. We don't know. Yeah, probably would. Then there becomes the the, the thing about Tenet, which is. For, for the listeners that don't know, like they have constantly pushed the release date for this. And finally, they announced that they're going to open it in 70 countries in September with a limited amount of showings in the United States. This one has me a little perplexed because like we, I mean, it, unless we go with your argument, your theory that it's about the money, Warner Brothers 
spent quite a bit of money on Tenet, and from from all accounts, I have not heard an actual review of the film, but it's it said that Nolan had less than 300 VFX shots in the film, which is apparently insanely low number for a movie of that scale. The decision to just go globally with limited screenings here in America, do you think that has to work with your theory that it's just about, at some point, Warner Brothers has to, just has to make some money? They've got to, they've got to recoup some of the money. No. No. That's a different scenario. Okay. So for Disney, it's about the money. Because think about where Disney makes its money. Disney makes money on theme parks. Yeah. Virtually dead. Even though they opened Disney World, they're they're bringing back the hours, right? You've probably read about yep. that. Oh, yeah. They're opening and closing sooner. $5 billion dollar loss. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge losses. Okay. Sports. ESPN is them. Okay. Base, baseball and basketball are back, but still huge losses there. Theatrical. Dead. Done. ABC. What nothing? They got nothing. They have no new. They have no new programming. So Disney is in a really tough position because all of their income streams involve mass human interaction, all the way from production to the enjoyment of the product. Whereas Warner's, which is now owned by AT and T, has phone company behind it has HBO, a streaming service, a new Max streaming service. They've got streams of income that dwarf theatrical. Really just, just dwarf. I mean, even HBO's income, I believe, exceeds their theatrical income, in, in both in terms of revenue and profits. So, in fact, I'm positive it does. So, HBO is a bigger asset than their theatrical releases. So, no, they do not need to release Tenet in order to bolster AT&T's bottom line. Frankly, Tenet is, you know, a blip, financially speaking, when you're talking about AT&T. The reason is that they've got one of the top five premier filmmakers in the world saying, I want my movie in theaters. That's my, that's my guess. That's my opinion. He, this is a guy who wrote, you know, an op-ed piece and was it, was it the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal saying... Theatrical has got to survive. Theatrical must be protected. We must not let this die, right? Which publication it was for. But he wrote a big op-ed. He's come out again and again for IMAX and shooting on film. And he did that big thing trying to get all directors to stay on film, which I applaud and love. But what that means for Warners is that he is the, you know, he's their guy. He's their guy. He's their Spielberg. Right. Like when Spielberg had that relationship with Universal and Sid Sheinberg, he's their Spielberg. And when Spielberg says, I want my movie in theaters and I'm not waiting a year for this to get sorted out when the rest of the world can do it. And when 60, 70 percent of our income comes from the rest of the world anyway, what do you you know, America only stands for 30, 40 percent max anyway, in terms of my grosses. He's, he's probably figured out. Let's do this enough. And by the way, as as you have pointed out with me in, in our text conversations, he'll be first out of the gate. Yeah. He gets massive amounts of publicity, as does his movie, as does Warner's, for being first out of the gate during the pandemic. And again, all, the pent-up desire to see a film, especially a film by him, especially a film that from the trailer looks terrific. I think the trailer looks awesome. I can't wait to see it, although I will not be venturing to movie theater to do it. Um it, it, I get it. I get it. The guy has the juice to pull it off. And I think that's what it's about. I think AT&T, they'd be like, we can wait till next year. We'd rather get as many 
dollars grows because then they'll still get the streaming deal. They'll still take it to HBO Max, right? They still get all the benefits of it. But if they were to release it, just put it on HBO Max now, they, they've taken away the huge benefit of a theatrical. And plus, this is a guy who has explicitly and vocally with great determination said, I am not giving up on the theatrical, period. And I think there's only a handful of filmmakers that could say that and do that. And he's one of them. And he's earned it, by the way. Absolutely earned it, the right to, to push for this. And I think that's what's happened. I don't think it's about I don't think about money at all. I think sure, of course, they Warners would love to make money in money, ATT, but I think the real engine behind Tenet, and that's why it kept, you know, it was gonna be the first one out. And it was like, wait for Tenet, wait, and then they pushed it, wait for Tenet, wait for Tenet. Then they pushed it, and now there's going, okay, enough of this. But I am perplexed, nevertheless, because I just think it's weird to take a film that he has shrouded in so much secrecy. You know, I read this article about how he personally brought the script to Ken Branagh's apartment in London and then gave it to him and like sat there and said, and I will be back in 24 hours to pick it up from you. And no one personally handed it to him. No one personally took it back that they, that, that literally Branagh said he was so nervous that when he was traveling on a plane with it, that he would check to make sure he had the script in his bag before he even looked for his passport. Was, you know, it's, it's that much secrecy. So you take this thing out in the rest of the world in a you know, kind of, let's call it mild theatrical release in America, because I just don't see how that's going to work out so well. But again, maybe there are states where they're going to like, go for it, fill up your theaters. You just told me today that the, the mayor of your city said you don't need to wear masks anymore. That's so, right. you know, so maybe they'll just say, load up the theaters, tenant, here we come. Who the hell knows, right? It's what's going on in this country. I don't know. But it certainly won't be. It'll be half, right? I mean, at best, it's half. At best. Full attendance will still be half. So he's risking all the news, all the reviews, all the spoilers, and all the secrets coming out from overseas before the vast majority of people in America get to see it. And I think that's gonna that will be a, a, a bummer for that movie. To touch on what I was saying in our text message conversation last week, my theory is that part of this is creating the legend, like you mentioned, creating the legend of Tenet, something that will be looked back 10, 20, 30, 40 sure. years and will be as enduring as uh, other films. And the, the people will look back and say, well, this was the, the first post-pandemic or I shouldn't say yeah. post-pandemic. It's We're still in the middle of a pandemic, but the first pandemic movie. And it's created the legend of this film. Well, especially imagine if it grosses a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, imagine. Imagine it goes through the roof. Yeah. All this pent up demand and and it just... So not only will it be the first out and they took the risk and they went for it, but what if it really works? And for all we know, they know they've got the goods. Yeah. For all we know, they know they have a hit. Yeah. And there are no rumors one way or another that I've seen. Uh, but if they know it and if they've got it and if it works, yes, it will create an ongoing legend for that film and for him, you know, for pushing it. Because he'll get credit for making it happen. I'm in a really odd situation. Well, it's not it's not an odd situation because I know that my local movie theater here, they've already got the signs up. Tenet coming soon. Like it's it's mm. it's. Uh, we talk about limited parts of the country. Here it is yeah. in well, my in no my. Masks, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> here here it is in, in Florida. So. <laughs> 
I don't have anything else to do. And there's this part of me where I just want to come up with a, you know, I want to get a group of 10 friends and let's just buy out the 50% capacity of that particular screening and we'll all social distance. I mean, we're trying to come up with some way to watch this movie safely. I don't know what Maybe we're going to do. Maybe like 6 a.m. screenings. You know what I mean? Like you can go to the 6 a.m. screening and you'll know, you know, and they have, if you do it online, they have those seating charts, yeah. right? So you can, you can see how crowded it is before you go. At least they, they have that, they have it at some theaters here. And, and there's probably a way you could map it out given that there's a more relaxed environment where you are. Uh, and, and you wear your mask. And if you don't sit around other people, I, I, it's all about odds, right? And yeah. so the odds in an uncrowded theater at a time when you think it'd be pretty empty, spread out, you'd probably be okay. I mean, probably. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I think it's just to each his own in that scenario. If you're protecting yourself, you can't be sure others are. It's a to each his own. It's a risk reward kind of thing. But I get it. I get it. I'd love to go see it too. If, but I, I just L.A. is exploding with COVID, and it's not going down. California just realized they had three hundred thousand tests that they hadn't calculated. I mean, it's just a giant mess today. The head of like the health and human services of the state of California quit. Yeah, because it's such a mess just today. It's it's just, it, it, uh, and, and it's just like, look, I'll see it. I can wait. So that's the thing for me is, is I think patience. I am, by the way, one of the most impatient people you will ever meet. Oh my God. I am not a patient person. But boy, if there's ever a time to just say patience is a virtue, it's now. We can wait. We can be cool. Like we can have football again. We can have, you know, our movies again. We can have all this stuff again, but we might just have to wait a while. Just wait. By the way, reading a good book won't kill anybody. Just, no. just mentioning that to people that, that are listening here. A good book is very, very entertaining and uh, will not kill you. I'm going to read you a headline from Variety, from Vanity Fair, mm -hmm. and it says, A landmark Hollywood law has been revoked. Will Amazon, Disney, and Netflix seize the moment, assuming there are theaters to return to when quarantine is over? This is a big deal. <clears throat> and I'm wondering, I know... A tiny bit about about a tiny bit about this law that was from my what was the 1930s something like that mm -hmm. 1940s. Mm -hmm. Could you speak to the listeners and just talk tell us a little bit about what that law was and how significant this change in the law is, or the fact that this has been revoked and how this is really quietly kind of flying under the radar. Yeah. So so back in the day, movie studios owned the theaters. So they would just book their movies. So you'd see a theater was called the Paramount or, you know, Warner's or, you know, they would often be be named after the studio because that studio owned. There still are theaters here called Paramount. And in fact, in that article, I think maybe the picture was of a theater called the Paramount. And and you could uh, just basically monopolize those theaters for your product. What people forget is that back in the day, movies were released as double features, and yours truly is even old enough to have gone to a few double features in his day down at the Montrose Theater. Seriously, when I was a little kid, you would go and see two movies. It was a double feature. That ended pretty quickly. But all the way up until the 60s, maybe even, maybe, no, in the 60s it ended. 
late 60s, I think, at least here. There are dual features, on top of which movies were released every Wednesday and Friday. So when I was a little kid, a new movie, a new double feature would come out Wednesday, and then a new double feature would come out Friday. Hmm. That's how many movies they were making. There was so much product that there were A movies, there were B movies, there were Western, there were everything, right? So there was so much product that you could just fill your theater week after week after week after week. Then television came along and they stopped the double feature. And then I'd say sometime in the 70s, they stopped releasing movies on Wednesdays. And then it was just Fridays. And um, so that then meant that there was, you know, less product. Um, and of course, but I mean, this law was put in place way, way earlier than that. And, and, but what I, what I was leading to is, is that you couldn't monopolize. They, they made a rule, they made a law, an antitrust ruling where theater, theaters could not be owned by the studios so that that way they had to be independent. So that way Warners could put in their movie and Paramount could put in their movie and Disney could put in their movie. Universal could put in their movie uh, in any theater that they could book as opposed to, because obviously the Paramount theater would block Warners or Disney or Universal from being in their theaters. That was back when there was so much content they could fill up year round their own theaters. They, they broke up, they broke that up. They said that they had to be independently owned. The, the studios sold off all their theaters uh, to other investors. And that's, you know, and that basically became the structure of the modern kind of exhibitor um, studio relationship. And, now it, it's gotten to where I guess they've just decided that it's going to be okay given – I don't think it's okay, by the way, myself personally. I, 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 still, I, don't, I don't think it's right that studios should own theaters. But apparently this situation with COVID has opened up the door to say, oh, my God, things are so bad and – these, these movie theater owners might not make it and they have too much debt and they might fail and there's no product and what are we going to do? Well, let's let the studios buy them. Which I don't understand how that works. So if Disney owns three, 4,000 theaters and they drop an Avengers movie in those theaters and then they put their next movie and then their next movie and their Star Wars movie and their Mulan movie, whatever. Like, what about... The other studios, they can't get in those theaters. And then if they can get in the theaters, what terms, how generous is Disney going to be to Warner's Universal, Sony, Paramount, or Lionsgate? Like, they already bought Fox. So I really am, I'm not surprised given the state of things. I'm not surprised that Bigger is better, and I'm not surprised that monopolies are growing in our country as opposed to being regulated. But I, 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 the theory was correct that you can't have, or it's bad to have, the, the, the producers of content own the exhibition because they'll then block out other exhibitors. I mean, what, what if Disney bought 10,000 screens? I'm not saying they will. And now all those other companies are negotiating with Disney over the cut. Because remember, Disney's going to get a cut of their movie. Think about that for a minute. So right now, AMC owns a chain. Okay? Mm -hmm. AMC, let's just say, I always say 50-50, but the terms are more 60-40 these days. But let's just say 50% goes to the exhibitor. 
So Warner's releases a movie in the Disney theater. Does that mean Disney gets 50% of Warner Brothers income? That's what that would mean. If Netflix owned the theater and Warner Brothers wanted to put a thousand Netflix theater, put their movie in a thousand Netflix theater because Netflix doesn't have a movie in that time slot. That means Netflix gets half of Warner Brothers grosses. That I just don't think is going to sit very well with the other companies going, wait a second, I'm feeding my competitor. Whereas an exhibitor was not a competitor. They were a partner. They were right. They were motivated to help each other because grosses are grosses. I don't care if my money comes from Paramount, Warner's or Disney. I want my 50 percent. So I'll promote you. I'll put up the standees. I'll put the posters. I'll put all the previews in. But say you're Disney and you're like, yeah, we got a Warner movie this week. We don't really need to promote it. We don't really need to run their trailers. We don't need to. And how much policing of that really happens? And you can't watch 5000 theaters. And next thing you know, Warner's is like, wait a second. We're not getting support. We were in your theater and you had all your Mulan stuff everywhere. And then out came Tenet and there was nothing because they own the theater. This is going to be the end of movie theaters if this moves forward. It's, Bingo. it's going to be the end because it will. Uh, let's just playing complete devil's advocate, advocate here. Let's just say Disney swoops in and, and buys AMC, the largest theater chain in the country. Okay. Right. And then they. And so, by the way, someone will. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But someone will because yes, they got a boost. They got an extra 500 million, I think it was, in a loan. But they're on their. They they are reeling. Yeah. And who? How are they going to pay off that debt, Dana? How, if there's no theater, if there's no movies in theaters until next year, how are they going to pay off that debt? But anyway, go ahead. Well, so, so they swoop in and buy it. They swoop in and buy it. They buy the largest theater chain in the country, which is AMC. Yep. And they do exactly what you said. They put their Marvel films, their Pixar films, their Star Wars films, their, their Disney Perfect. films. They put the, that, that's, that's, that's home base for their films. What will happen? What will happen is eventually the other big players who will not do what you said, will not let give 50% of their revenue to one of their competitors. They will just eventually say, that's it. We're done with streaming. movie theaters. We're going strictly streaming. And then a theory that you introduced to me five years ago, where you said that it's eventually it's going to be like going to a Broadway play, one of these big, big epic tentpole films where it'll be just, you know, you'll pay 50 bucks to go see it. And it, it'll be, it'll run for three months and then we'll be on to the next one and everything else will be streaming. I mean, you predicted this five years ago. Ladies and gentlemen, go back and listen to the very first time that Phil was on the episode. This prediction was <laughs> made and it's scary how quickly I think uh, we're heading there. Because I, th I think that's the inevitable. Certainly the pandemic has pushed, accelerated like many things, has accelerated this forward. But it was on this track anyway. Yeah. And if they let a content provider own theaters... It just, it disincentivizes the other content providers to basically fill their coffers. And why would I, so if I have, if I'm Warner's and I have HBO Max, why would I give even 30% of the tenant to somebody? I will to a partner because they're providing a service for me that, you know, we're in it together and we we make deals on other films. We have this long-term relationship. You know, I provide you with Batman movies. I provide, whatever, you know, I provide you with uh, DC films, et cetera, et cetera. But, but now my relationship is with Disney and I've got to talk to Disney about the deal we're going to make on a per film basis because rights are negotiated. You know, the, the split is negotiated on often on per film basis. And the bigger the film, you know, the, the more goes to the studio and the less goes to the exhibitor. 
But what if Disney just says, we own AMC, it's 50-50, tough luck, or don't distribute it. What's your answer? Fine, we're going straight to HBO Max where every single penny comes to us. None goes to you. A, I gain a subscriber, yeah. which is what Disney Plus is hoping, hoping with Mulan. We'll get subscribers and our 30 bucks. Yeah. So now our subscriber base grows and we get income and goodbye theaters. Yeah. It's a disaster. I cannot believe, and who knows? I mean, again, they're saying this, like you said, it's low on the radar. It hasn't been challenged yet, right? It could easily be challenged in court. I cannot see how it's not uh, a monopoly. I don't see how you can't say that they would then monopolize the entire chain from production to exhibition, but, but there's an, no one cares. But there's an X factor that we're, we have to think about. I don't think Disney has the, the, the fiscal firepower to even buy AMC right now. I, I can't see how their investors would ever back a move like that. You know what I could see? I could see a company like Apple swoop in and buy AMC. They, they, they don't have a big, I mean. They would, though. I, I highly, highly doubt they would. See, they're just not in that business. Yeah. Like, we don't care about theatrical. They don't. If Netflix cared about theatrical, they'd have worked out something for Martin Scorsese. Yeah. They didn't. Martin Scorsese had to run his movie in a theater, Broadway theater in New York City, not a movie theater. They had to rent out a Broadway theater to show The Irishman. It was kind of a cool idea, yeah. but that's what they did. The the It looked cool. I thought it would have been fun to see it there. But they went, yeah, it's Marty, and yeah, we spent $150, $175 million, But you know what? We're not in the theatrical business. We're going to lose money marketing this thing to get X amount of, you know, cinephiles to show up. And really, we want subscribers. And the only way they subscribe is if they can only see the Irishman on our streaming network. So that's that. There's no reason. Apple, by the way, doesn't have enough content. And does Apple want to get in the business of like creating a whole division to negotiate these nickel and dime <laughs> deals on everything from the smallest independent movie to, you know, the next Disney giant, uh, uh, they'd be better off just buying Disney. Yeah. I mean, if, if Apple, if Apple wants to play that game, just buy Disney, which by the way, they could, Apple could easily buy Disney and Apple could have easily bought Disney last year. Not, not because of, because of the pandemic. Um, again, I don't think they want to be in that business. They don't want to run theme parks. They don't want to run theaters. They don't want to. And I think it's the same with Netflix and the same with Amazon. They talk about buying. I heard Amazon flirted with AMC for a minute. There was the rumor. It never went anywhere because they crunched the numbers. It's a really tough business. Theatrical distribution is really, really tough. And you mainly lose money until the hits make up for it. Yeah. And so... It, it, it's not a good it's it's not a good business model. Streaming is taking over. When I tell you, it, and it's really easy to see why this is heading the direction it is, and it's based on what I said the the the, the stats I said earlier. HBO is a subscription service, makes more money in in profit than the theatrical division of Warner Brothers. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're just a businessman and you couldn't care less if it's on a hundred foot screen or your phone. And it's about meaning a movie and it's about business. That's a pretty easy call. Yeah. Subscriptions are constant, right? Consistent. They come in month after month. Whereas movies, 
oh my God, we spent 200 million and it grows 35. Bad. You know, it's something you said sort of resonated with me when you mentioned Hamilton. I had Disney Plus and I let it lapse. I said, you know what? It's just, I'm not a big Marvel guy. I like Star Wars, but... I mean, the, the older trilogy I already own on Blu-ray. Like, I don't, you know, just, I, I was able to justify reasons why I could let Me my too. subscription lapse. Me too. Then you, I did the same thing. Then you bring Hamilton on there, and I'm like, well, that's at least an extra $7. I'll pay $7 for another month of this so I can watch this. And I, and I did, and it was amazing, and I really enjoyed it. We did, we did the same thing. Yeah. I got it. I tested it. I let it lapse, and we got it for Hamilton. Yeah. And that's, and that's just the way, and people will do it for The Mandalorian, or people will do it for whatever their thing is. And we'll see people do it for Milan. I, 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 you know, theaters will exist. The Christopher Nolans and the Steven Spielbergs and the Jim Camerons will get their movies out there and they'll get them big. And everybody else eventually will be in streaming. And that's just the future i mean it's just the way it is and and i'm not saying theaters will there won't be any movie theaters and i'm not saying you won't be able to go to the movies and you won't even sure you might there'll still maybe be theaters for indies and lenly you know which it will still exist and there'll be you know look there's all look all those giant amazon exists and then there was barnes and noble but teeny local bookstores still exist yeah right and and they still so there'll be the same with theaters there will be maybe there'll be more mom and pop kind of deals you know maybe individual proprietors maybe they won't all be these giant multiplexes with 15 movies going at once maybe maybe that's what's heading away and the individual stand up standalone great big giant auditorium with everything awesome you know uh, everything is awesome <laughs> um, <laughs> happening around you but i don't know i just think the day that every movie made is gunning for 3,000 screens because that's the only way you can really break out is is on its way it's look it's just it's on its way out and and i and i think that that this i just keep coming back to the fact that this pandemic is going to stick around for a while and that just makes it worse and worse and worse for the movie theaters i don't even know honestly if disney would want to own the theaters they might not it might just be like it's just it's not even worth it to them i don't know well, your, your model on, on the streaming, the arguments for streaming make perfect sense to me. And and if that's the case, you know who wins? Us, the consumer. You know, that's a situation yeah. where, where we, you know, I don't know. Look, I've got, a, I've got a, a big enough TV in my house and I've got a big enough surround sound system that I actually made the made the decision that if, if, if I know that Tenet's going to be a PVOD, you know, two months after its release, I'm, I'll just wait. I'll wait and watch it at my house. Uh, it's sure. it's just a very anyway. We could rant, I could go on about this for a while, but I want to I, I want to end this conversation on a on a positive note. Which which again, I want to say a lot of this is positive because we are talking about we're not talking about the end of movies. We're talking about the way you know a shift in how we may consume those movies. So at least that's a positive. Yeah. Um, well, absolutely, and I think that and I think there's no question that that Netflix, Amazon, and now Apple's in the game. And, you know, what just happened with Hamilton, I, I mean, I think there has been a lot of incredible content. Hulu, I mean, we just, I know I'm like five years late to it, but we didn't have Hulu and just being the pandemic, I finally caved and got it. And, and we watched Handmaid's Tale. It's incredible. Yeah. It's mind-blowingly great. I cannot believe it took me this long to get to it. 
It just I just didn't have Hulu. And that doesn't exist without these streaming services. Yeah. Well, that's and what... and people for, you know people forget Breaking Bad wasn't a hit till Netflix started playing it. Yeah. And there are a lot, and particularly for you know streaming series, ongoing series, streaming, and I include HBO in that, um, has been amazing for that genre. Unfortunately, and it's a different conversation. Not great for direct filmmakers, in my opinion. But I think it's it's been great for the viewer and great, you know, it, it's exploded and opened up and great for writers and writer producers um, and great for actors, not great for filmmakers. But the so I think it, I think it's fantastic. It's and, and, and they and they movies and they're now making movies with stars and good directors and good writers. I mean, not quite not quite the A-list caliber of filmmakers are in streaming yet, but. You know, there's a lot of great content that wouldn't be there otherwise. Absolutely. And that's just what I want to close it out with. And um, just want to know, you know, what's been on your radar over the past couple months? Um, what's What have you been watching? I, I'd like to just mention that I finally sat down and watched the first season of The Boys on Amazon, which is the most mm. anti-comic book, comic book show I've ever seen in my life. And I absolutely loved it. It's, the, it's been a while since I remember just straight binging a show in one day because there's eight episodes of it and I just knocked it out in a day and I was I just thoroughly enjoyed it as someone who's not the biggest Marvel fan I found this to yeah. be the, the comic book show that I could oh, get, cool. get get behind so, so yeah I haven't watched that um well like I said you know the, we love just Handmaid's Tale was just you know un- unbelievable just so brilliant brilliantly acted and made we also I also loved the show Dark on Netflix is a German show. Um, you know, you have to watch it with subtitles. If you watch it, do not watch the dubbed version. And uh, it's three seasons, and it's unbelievably great. It's complicated. You got to really follow. It's a time travel show that spans a lot of years, and it's and a lot of generations of people. But I, I just think it's one of the best things I've seen on Netflix. Those are really the two that that had me, you know, really lately where I just went, wow. Yeah. The, you know, and there's a lot of other stuff, but those are the two dark and handmaids, which, you know, probably most of your listeners have seen handmaid's tale, but dark is really worth investing uh, your time in. Okay. It's fantastic. Okay. Speaking of HBO max, I, uh, again, when I, I, I have it and it's something I watch, I use it. It's, kind of my preferred streaming platform now because of that incredible HBO back catalog that they have on yeah. there. And I mentioned this because over the past week and a half, I revisited the uh, series, The Night Of with John Turturro. Oh. And you know what? Oh Hold, it still holds up. It's, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I've come to this theory that you, to really appreciate something, you need to watch it twice. And, and I'm telling you, the sec my second viewing of this is this is one of the most incredible shows ever made. The year the year it came on, it was my favorite piece of filmed entertainment, theatrical, th- you know, features, ser- anything. It was unbelievable, and um, yeah, I love that show. God, yeah, loved that show. So if you- and uh, yeah, highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. It is so good. Absolutely, wow. absolutely. It's my favorite. My that was my favorite film of of that year. Yeah, it, and I'm telling you, 
it's it's worth a revisit. It's it's really yeah. it really is. Uh, let's go with bold predictions. If there is an NFL season this year, uh, Tom Brady touchdowns interception ratio. If this is this is all contingency on if there is a season, they open up week one in New Orleans. Yes, they do. I if there's a season, I I think Brady's going to be great. I think that he I think that they'll build the the offense around his strengths. He's got some incredible receivers. He's got Gronk back. Gronk can stay healthy. And uh, I think that he'll be, I don't know what his ratio was last year, but it'll be comparable. Okay. I think he'll be good, if not better, than he was last year. In fact, I think that he'll be better. I No, in fact, he will be better than he was last year if they can play a season with all their players. The only thing I'm a little nervous about is that they haven't had enough training camp to come in and get acclimated and know each other and, and for him to know the playbook and everyone to know, you know, the timing is so much a part of football and uh, you know, just that particularly between a receiver and the quarterback. So I do wonder if they're going to be pretty rusty coming out of the gate simply because not because he's changed teams, but because they haven't had enough time. I think teams that brought back most of their players are going to have a real advantage to teams that have brought in new players because there, there hasn't been a the usual full training camp process to acclimate with new players, which is always a little bit of a, a learning curve, even, even when it is the normal training camp. So I do expect that, that there will be some, some awkward moments but I think Arians is a really smart coach, and I think that they've got a strong team with a with a good defense. So I think he, I think if all things were were equal and this was a regular season, I think he'd be great. I actually do. Um, kind of like Favre was that year when he went to Minnesota. Yeah. You know, in 2010, when he his first year in Minnesota, he beat the Packers twice. He took them to the to the championship game. Um, Should have won that game easily against the Saints. Two fumbles at the goal line. Everyone blames him for the interception, but people forget about Adrian Peterson's fumbles. And I think that that that's he's going to be on fire like Favre was that year. Um, but because of the pandemic and because of guys maybe you know having to leave the game and come back, and who knows if he's playing with second and third stringers plus not a normal training camp, that that could hamper him. But if they go seven uh, sixteen games. This isn't the, they're not doing 17 this year. That's next year, right? So it's still 16 this year. Is that right? That's correct because they just outright canceled uh, preseason football this year and they were going right. to do three preseason and they'll start next year with the 17 so next game. Year, but next year is the 17 game, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. This year's still 16. So I think if it was, if they make it to 16, I, I would not underestimate Tom Brady's drive. Yeah. My prediction is now the Superdome. I guess at the Mercedes-Benz Dome or whatever it's called, where the Saints play, is a pretty raucous environment. Uh, It's loud. So, but you know, they're not really going to be fans this year. Maybe Louisiana. That's true. uh, I think there will be. Jacksonville has announced. Now, this could change. I read this a couple weeks ago that TIAA Field, where the Jaguars play, will be limited to twenty-five percent capacity. That might be the case in Louisiana. Listeners can let me know. I don't know if that's the case, but even at twenty-five percent capacity, the crowd noise is not going to be an issue during that game. But I agree with what you said about timing and being a little bit rusty, and I predict my bold prediction and we'll revisit this after week one is a blowout by the saints week one 
and then everyone says the sky is falling and Brady's done and then takes a couple day couple games to get acclimated and then it just goes lights out. I agree. Every year, even the Patriots had a rough start. And everyone said that they even their first three or four games were kind of their real preseason. Yeah. And then suddenly they just get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I agree. The Saints are bringing everybody back. You know, they they will win that game and and perhaps handily as you suggest but i don't think that'll be an indicator of anything yeah i agree i agree so all right well we'll, well i think we just set the template for when you're coming back on the show which will be the week after right. after the after uh, after week one so phil sounds if, good and by then and when's the mulan when's the mulan release date uh it's it's i think it's labor day weekend to answer your oh, question I, I think it's september 3rd I or got something. It right here hang on September 4th. September 4th. Okay. Yeah, I think that is Labor Day weekend. So, yeah. So, it'll be interesting, too, because, yeah, four weeks from now, and then I think the first week of the NFL is September 10th, if they make it. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll know what's happened with Mulan, and we'll know. And what, does Tenet have a date? I think Tenet opens up that same weekend. Oh, my goodness. Really? I believe that's, I think that's the case, yeah. September 3rd. Yep. So you've got Mulan on streaming. You've got Tenet. Wow. I don't know what to do about Tenet because obviously that's a film I want to see in in the IMAX theater here in town. And I mean, if I have to spend a couple bucks to buy a few seats, uh, I mean, it'll be social distancing anyway. But if I have to spend a couple bucks to get a, a real bubble around me, I might consider doing it. If I was you, I would wait. I wouldn't go the first weekend. Yeah. I would wait until the weekdays yeah. that follow the first weekend, and I would go to the earliest show they offer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, I'd go to the 10 a.m. show on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and and that's your. I think that would be your best shot. Absolutely. I would not go opening weekend. No, no. I, I never went open. I never went on a Friday or Saturday, regardless. And yeah. I, I always practiced social distancing when I went to the movie theater, regardless. Yeah. It was always my style. Yeah. So, Phil, if people want to follow your work, you've got a website. What's the address? Uh, com. Outstanding. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And thanks, Dana. It's one of these things where I know we could uh, keep the conversation going for a couple of hours. So let's uh, let's <laughs> just say just a little over a month from now, we'll get you back on and we'll just get an update. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Some things will have changed for sure. Absolutely. All right, Phil, again, thank you. And my name is Dana Buckler. And thank you so much for listening.